Happy Friday. I'm Brian Colbert Kennedy, and this is Important Not Important, science for people who give a shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now so you get this audio newsletter every Friday, plus our conversations with the smartest people in the world on Mondays. You can find the digital version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or right from your show notes. And of course, you can join our community and support our work by becoming a member. Work alongside some truly incredible people on the front lines of the future, join monthly live AMAs with Quinn and special guests, plus other events, get exclusive special reports and quarterly updates on Important Not Important, get exclusive first looks at INI-driven investment opportunities across climate tech, health tech, biotech, and more and get invitations to share your work and participate in working groups and panels. Join at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or the link in your show notes and help make sure this work continues. It's Friday, April 15th, 2022. In climate change news, in just the past few days, almost a billion and a half dollars have been pledged or raised from Stripe, Meta, Alphabet, Shopify, and Lower Carbon to jumpstart carbon removal from the air and oceans at scale. Or, you know, to work at all. The latest IPCC report documents our need to remove billions of tons of CO2 from the atmosphere. But let's back up and try to understand why this mandate is so complicated and controversial. The one ring to unite them all is decarbonization of every industry we've got as soon as possible. This is not only the most affordable way to transition to a cleaner future, but the most affordable way to run our economies right now. It's affordable and doable because we've spent decades iterating on the various technology stacks involved and then scaling the shit out of them. In 2021, 10% of the world's electricity came from wind and solar. That's fucking awesome. And accomplished with the equivalent of one hand behind our back. However, a growing number of companies, utilities, and governments are relying on net zero plans that make few measurable commitments to decarbonization, but do heavily depend on carbon removal and other offset mechanisms to get to net zero. But many, if not most, of these removal and offset mechanisms are hot air. And I sincerely believe they're hot air, not because of liquidity concerns, though even with this week's deals, offsets are a small percent of global climate action, but because the fundamental assets and mechanisms involved have been nearly impossible to prove, much less at scale, from planting or protecting trees to building huge vacuum cleaners for the sky. So to date, whether via traditional markets, government purchases, or the blockchain, an enormous number of low-quality credits are being purchased and used as escape hatches. Here's the thing. We do need to remove a buttload of historic carbon from the atmosphere if we want to stay anywhere under 2 degrees Celsius, and the Global North should pay our fair share to do so. Throwing money at basic science, tech labs, established carbon removal companies, and startups, like we did with solar, is really the only way to find out if carbon removal tech is going to A, work, and B, scale ever. These new deals could go a long way to doing that. But as long as people, companies, and governments are able to legally offset continued emissions and advertise and capitalize on their ability to do so with no standardization or accountability or actually reducing their emissions, we will never get to net zero. Your action step. It's well past time for the U.S. Congress to vote on decarbonizing our economy, stat. Call your senators and climate change makers and demand that they do so. In COVID news, Vaccine equity update. Just 14.8% of people in low-income countries have received at least one dose, and 35.2% of people worldwide have received zero doses. Another wave of COVID is most likely coursing through the U.S., but the situation on the ground and what we and you can do about it is more complicated than ever. 
To set the stage, our community is a biased sample. Unless you are among those who are immunocompromised or otherwise unable, you are almost certainly vaccinated at least once, if not three times, from a potpourri of available shots. Furthermore, OG Omicron left many with varying levels of natural immunity. Meanwhile, variants like BA2 are driving an increase in cases, but the picture is incomplete. Since at-home tests became more available, and since the CDC began relying on hospitalizations as a risk metric, some states have stopped reporting cases altogether. Many of us are drastically more protected than we were a year ago, but what comes next? One small item I feel is undercovered is how 400 million actual people are in COVID lockdown in China as robots patrol the streets, making sure people stay in their homes. China would like you to believe that this outbreak has led to one severe case and no deaths, which, okay, but the relevant takeaway for you is this thing is still very real for billions of folks in myriad ways. And as I've written ad nauseum, Every new person infected is an opportunity for not only disease and death, but a new mutation. And with inflation and recession concerns mounting quickly, absolutely clobbered supply chains. For better or worse, we are all connected by the air we breathe and transmit viruses over and the complex supply chains that fuel our livelihoods, businesses, and economies. We keep fighting the last war. We spent billions to jumpstart vaccines and eventually testing, but have backed off on both. In past recessions, we didn't spend enough to support lost incomes. In this one, we probably spent too much. But we also lifted a whole lot of folks and kids out of poverty and then let them fall back into it. More of our workforce is online than 10 years ago, and food delivery exists at scale, saving huge parts of the economy. But the parts that aren't, or who harvest and pack that food, suffer disproportionately, and we've barely started to grieve for them. Science locked us in our homes and then got us out of them, but we fail to trust that it's a process, not a result. And that may be because our education system is increasingly unequal and because we're truly terrible at handling uncertainty. A pop quiz that evaluated every societal and economic decision we've ever made didn't go great. And so a president ran on a mid-pandemic transformative social agenda, very little of which has either come to pass or will last through 2022. Building a cleaner, safer, more resilient society means not having to respond so historically to a threat that will be less historic because of the choices we've made. An essence of important non-importance mission is it does not have to be this way. Universal health care, a focus on wellness, paid time off, 10x trained nurses, 10x housing, global vaccine equity, eliminating air pollution, increased ventilation, and expanded leading indicators like wastewater can make for a drastically more resilient society on any given day. Your action step. Check your county's wastewater data for COVID prevalence, protect yourself accordingly, and better understand how we can roll it out across the U.S. Links are in the newsletter. In food and water news, over the past few years, massive companies like Walmart and Burger King pledged to manage or restore 50 million acres of land as part of an effort to slide a gigaton of emissions out of its moderately complicated supply chain in the next 10 years. There's no real rule book to define regenerative farming or the practices behind it, which is part of the problem, but the idea usually includes some combination of no-till farming, rotational grazing, and ditching toxic chemical fertilizers. Soil is not only important to storing carbon, but also for growing crops, most of which are used to feed industrial meat, but I digress, and profits. Farmers from Texas to Mexico, the Mid-Atlantic to Wyoming, and Minnesota have embraced regenerative practices, and while the transition isn't easy or cheap, it could make for healthier soil, save small farms, and clean waterways like the mighty Chesapeake. Whether it can succeed at scale depends on realigning incentives away from monocrops, meat, and other industrial agriculture, and towards measurable improvements to the land itself. Your action step. Read Lentil Underground by Liz Carlisle to get a better understanding of how we can rebuild our topsoil and diets for a warmer future. 
Fun fact, lentils create their own fertilizer. What the fuck? In health and bio news, as larger grocers abandoned them, food deserts were once the most popular answer to the question, why is healthy and affordable food scarcely available to marginalized people contributing to poverty and conditions like hypertension and diabetes? Enter dollar stores, the number of which have exploded in those communities, only to face a recent backlash for targeting folks below the poverty line and, according to various reports, failing to provide anything close to fresh food. This is what it means to be trapped in a system. If you are only able to afford food at a certain price point, and there exists only one type of grocer and one who doesn't offer fresh food, you are more or less incapable of improving your health on a day-to-day basis. Again, our systems are interwoven and recently tested. We don't really know how yet, but not only are diabetes and obesity risk factors for more severe COVID, but it also looks like a COVID infection increases the risk of being diagnosed with diabetes. And they go deeper. The Campaign for Healthier Solutions bought 226 products from a range of dollar stores and found PFAS, or Forever Chemicals, in half of the products, many of which were food packaging. In those areas lucky enough to have major brand fast food, a California study found PFAS that exceed legal thresholds in one in five food packages. Why are those chemicals used in food packages? Because they resist water and grease. States are taking action. 17 have at least proposed regulations to limit PFAS and food packages. Companies are aware too, and some are making measurable improvements. Sweet Green's numbers have come down dramatically since a 2019 report. Your action step. Check out the report on dollar store PFAS and then subscribe to Civil Eats, an invaluable source of food policy journalism. In beep boop news, how hospitals are attacked. Cybersecurity at every level is among the issues of our time. For this week, let's do a brief scan of global events. A state-sponsored Chinese group called ShadowPad may have worked for at least the past two years to hack India's power sector. Two weeks ago, I asked, where are Putin's cyber attackers? And then last week, the U.S. claimed to have secretly removed Russian-implanted malware worldwide in a preemptive move to fend off exactly those kinds of attackers. The U.S. also warned this week that the custom-made tools are in use to breach critical infrastructure. None of this is news, but you should be aware of it, and you need to grok the attacks happening every day at a much smaller scale, with crushing consequences at small and rural hospitals across the U.S., where the industry spends just 6% of its IT budgets on cybersecurity. For perspective, in the U.S., there are an average 5 to 6 network devices per hospital bed. One example from rural Oregon, quote, At the time of the attack, October 2020, the hospital was battling its first local surge of COVID-19. Hospital officials quickly decided on the most extreme counter-response, powering down about 2,500 devices and more than 600 servers. Anything that had a computer in it, we shut it off. For the next 23 days, clinicians and nurses used pen and paper for note-taking, struggling to care for patients without access to their medical histories, lab results and imaging scans, appointment calendars, or emergency contacts. Cancer patients face a choice between driving an hour or more for radiation elsewhere or holding off on treatment until the hospital recovered. End quote. When these attacks happen, hospitals not only have to fork over on average $350,000 in ransom, but lose billing services, are forced to buy new computers, and lose patient trust, costing even more long-term. Your action step? Cybersecurity may be one area that unites Washington, and recent bills indicate more protections may be coming. Get up to speed with the recently introduced and bipartisan State and Local Cybersecurity Improvement Act by clicking the link in the newsletter. And here's 10 things from the notebook. Sometimes viruses aren't the villain, like when they can drag carbon to the bottom of the ocean. Russia's bullshit war has provided a perfect opportunity to stop growing corn for ethanol. California may soon be home to weekly shipments of billions of genetically modified mosquitoes. What will all the massive indoor farms do to Appalachian, Kentucky? The 12 best ways to get cars out of cities ranked. 
California will give residents thousands for electric heat pump water heaters. The electric F-150 Lightning is here. Why does Sweden only send 1% of its trash to landfills? I love Kirk Sagacht, and I love their new climate change video. And mRNA vaccines may boost CAR-T therapy for solid cancers. All right, that's it for this week. Hit subscribe right now so you get next week's analysis straight to your feed. To go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, just go to newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thanks for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend. 